Some of y'all been rejected all your life. Huh? Been rejected by daddy on the birth certificate. Anybody hear me up in that? Rejected by mama, huh? Rejected by the high school coach. Couldn't make no team. Anybody hear me? Rejected by the teachers, huh? You just not good enough. You need to be in these other class. Rejected on jobs, huh? We gotta let you go. You don't make the cut, huh? Rejected everywhere by men, by women, huh? Some of y'all rejected by your own children. They choosing other people besides you. So we live a life of rejection, huh? But sometimes, hallelujah, when you serve God, don't worry about rejection. Because when men reject God, accept and elect. Anybody hear me up in here? You got to know the ways of your God. Hallelujah. Well, listen, um, let's turn to, to Esther 6 and 1. First lady, anything else before we get going? Hallelujah. Esther 6 and 1. And we'll start reading a little bit. The Bible says, on that night could not the king sleep. And he commanded to bring the book of the records of the chronicles. And they were read before the king. And it was found written that Mordecai had told of, of Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's chamberlains, the keepers of the door who sought to lay hands on the king Ahasuerus. And the king said, what honor and dignity had been done to Mordecai for this? Then said the king's servants that ministered unto him, there is nothing that's been done for him. And the king said, who is in the court? Now Haman was coming to the outward court of the king's house to speak unto the king, to hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. And the king's servants said unto him, behold, Haman standeth in the court. And the king said, let him come in. So Haman came in and the king said unto him, what shall be done unto the man whom the king delighted to honor? Now Haman thought in his heart, to whom would the king delight to honor more than to myself? And Haman answered the king, for the man whom the king delighted to honor, let the royal apparel be brought, which the king used to wear, and the horse that the king rided upon and the crown royal which is set upon his head and let this apparel and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes that they may array the man with all whom the king delighted to honor and bring him on horseback through the street of the city and proclaim before him thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delighted to honor then the king said to Haman Make haste, take the apparel and the horse as thou hast said, and do even so to Mordecai the Hebrew that sitteth at the king's gate. Let nothing fail of all that thou hast spoken. Let nothing fail of all that thou hast spoken. Hallelujah. Come on, give God some praise in this place. Hallelujah. God, we thank you so much, God, for being a faithful God. And we say, God, just like the king Ahasuerus said, let nothing fail, O king, of all that you have spoken, O God. That you've spoken over us individually and over us as a people. For you are a great God and we worship you. You are Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, and there's no man that can stay your hand. 
All the plans against you fail, King. Everybody that fights against you end up, Lord God, at the bottom with an L, with a loss, Lord God. But everyone who is for you, O King, is promoted, is blessed, hallelujah, is made the head and not the tail. And so we thank you for your sovereignty tonight, for your providence tonight, for your holiness tonight. We thank you, God, that you're a living God, that you invade the affairs of men, Father God, to work your perfect will, O King. We give you praise that you're always looking out for us. You've always looked out. You are currently looking out and you will continue to look out for us in the future, God. We give you praise. Bless us here tonight as we get in your word, as we open up our history, write it upon the pages of our hearts, inscribe it upon our DNA, O King, and let us know, O God, that you are great and that there's nothing too hard for you and that you always take care of your people. It's in Yahshua, Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, give God some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Brothers, great job as usual. Appreciate y'all. Awesome job. Sorry about the curtain. We're not trying to hide y'all at all. They just, they just doing a little something. Hallelujah. On tomorrow night. But, but y'all know about that. Saints, we've been in the book of Esther. And in honor of Purim, amen, which today sunset starts, amen, we've been going through the book of Esther. And we've just been kind of looking through it and, 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 and deriving the reason, hallelujah, we celebrate Purim. And remember, this book is written in a fashion as though a child went to an adult and said, why do we celebrate Purim? And so the, the writer, uh, through the authorship and the divine motions of God, began to write this book to explain to us why we should celebrate this holiday. And so um, a couple of points that we covered, we talked about Vashti, point number one. We focused on missed opportunities because she kind of missed hers, amen. Secondly, we looked at Mordecai and Esther. Uh, they come from a family of missed opportunities, but just because you come from a family with certain bondages and setbacks don't mean you have to allow your past to define you, amen. And we talked about that. We looked at Esther, who was favored by God in her looks, in her shape, and everything else, amen. We looked at Big T and his crew. Uh, the ones who wanted to kill the king, but Mordecai being at the king's gate, being about his hustle, his business, amen, he was always working, always on the grind, amen. We say the talents and, and, and the vision are, are gifts from God, they're given by God freely, but the hustle is sold separately, amen. So God will give you a dream, God will give you a vision, hey God, but you're going to need that hustle to get that vision done. Come on, give y'all some praise, amen. And so Mordecai was all about that hustle, and while he was on his hustle, amen, he overheard a plan to assassinate the king, and because of that, he went to Esther and revealed the plot, the plans. It was all uncovered, and they were able to stop it, and they punished and executed Big T and his crew. Next, we looked at Haman and Mordecai and talked about family ties. We're introduced to Haman, but if you remember, Haman is from an ancient family, a family that has ties with our family, the Hebrews, and it's no other family than the Amalekites. He's called Haman the Agite, huh? and that's from King Agag, who is an Amalekite king, and the Amalekites, they come from Esau. They're from Edom, all right? 
always hated the Hebrews, the staunch enemies of the Hebrews. Amen. And so that's the family ties of Mordecai and Haman. And so we told you that you got to know your history. Know who your enemy is. We out here fighting everybody, but the real ones that's fighting us. And we got to watch ourselves. We got we to gotta get our calibration right because Mordecai knew who was for him and who was against him. Come on, give y'all some praise up in here. Hallelujah. Then Mordecai sent word. He told Esther, look, you're going to have to help because Haman is about to kill all of our people. Huh? He told Esther that you were born for such a time as this. You was made queen for such a time as this. You're in the position you're in for such a time as this. And we talked about God's providence and God's sovereignty. And we say, take nothing for granted. Don't you ever think that you where you are. Hallelujah. By accidents, by accident or happenstance. Our God does not waste movements or motions. He is a God of providence. Wherever you are is where you're supposed to be. The church you're in, the neighborhood you're in, the job you work at, the person who you're married to, the kids that you have. Everything has been divinely ordered and orchestrated by God to get the most out of you in the land of the living. And you got to believe in his providence. Amen. That's why our people can't make it through life, y'all. That's why they depress and they anxiety and they want to commit suicide. Why? Because they don't see the hand of God in all of the affairs of men. God has you where you are. And if he's going to bring you to it, guess what? He's going to bring you through it. Come on, give y'all some praise up in here. Hallelujah. I'm getting excited on the recap. You understand what I'm saying? For such a time as this, and we saw, hallelujah, Esther believe in providence, believe in the sovereignty of God. And she goes in unto the king, even though it was a death sentence, if, if the king would not hold out his golden scepter. But Esther walked in there dressed to the nine, y'all. How she was dressed to the what? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And Esther walk up in there, boy. And, and look, she, whoo, the king saw, he said, bruh. You understand? He looked at the boy, he said, bruh. All right. And Esther walk up in there. She touched that golden scepter, boy. Let me tell you, I bet the king must have. I'm telling you. And so the, so the king said, Esther, whatever you want to the half of my kingdom, baby, you can have everything. Just leave me half. If you take Ethiopia, give me India. But the way you look tonight, girl, you can have. All right. So 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 anyway, so 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 Esther tells the king, she said, listen, I'm not going to tell you what I need right now. She said, look, come on out to a banquet with me and uh, bring Haman with you and uh, come on out to the banquet. And in that point, I told you that a divine shift is going to happen in the book of Esther, starting at chapter six. Hey, God, a shift is going to happen. Things are going to stop working out for Haman and start working out for the people of God. And so let's look at this next point, which is our seventh point in this series on, uh, on Hallelujah Purim. And let's talk about chapter six. And the fall. And the fall. Amen. So chapter 6 begins, hey God, we was reading it. It, it says, uh, and, and, and that night. And that night. And uh, we need to just familiarize ourselves with which night they were talking about. It's the night that, that Haman made the gallows to hang uh, uh, Mordecai. On that same night that he made the gallows, the big pole, 75 feet high, to hang Mordecai on the king couldn't sleep, all right? And if you know anything about sleep, the Bible says that sleep is a gift from God because he giveth his beloved sleep. 
And sometimes when you can't sleep, you think it's something you ate. You think it's something that you watch. But sometimes it may be that God is trying to tell you something. Anybody hear me up in here? Because sometimes when I can't sleep, it means that God is calling me to prayer. It means that God is calling me in his word. Just this morning, I'm tossing and turning. God was like, come on, get up. Why stay in bed, amen, and toss and turn when you can be in my word, when you can be in prayer, when you can be preparing yourself for something that's about to happen in the day. So just a little nugget for you, hallelujah. When you can't sleep, God may be trying to tell you something. Come on, give y'all some praise up in here. So the king couldn't sleep, brother Carl, deacon, and, and, and he commanded his scribes to bring the books. And these books represented the records of his kingdom, of his reign. Everything that went on in the kingdom, they took notes, huh? Um, the Bible teaches us that the same thing happens in heaven. All kings have a scribe, and all scribes take records, chronicles we call them, of the kingdom. Uh, uh, they do this in the earthly kingdom, but Yah does it also in the heavenly kingdom. The angels are the scribes of God, and they take note of everything that's happening in God's kingdom. That's why when, when uh, uh, Cornelius was a giver and doing all kind of stuff, the scribes had wrote it down. It had come back just like it's going to happen in this text. It had come back not to King Ahasuerus. It came back to God. Amen. The angels reading the chronicles. There's chronicles on earth and there's chronicles in heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. Make sure the angels writing something good about you. Amen. Hallelujah. So the king couldn't sleep. He commanded that the chronicles, the records, the books, the minutes of his reign should be read to him. And the king did that for a couple of reasons. He must have been led by God. But ain't nothing could have put the king to sleep like just hearing about his good works in his kingdom. Huh? Go to sleep with a smile on his face. All right. And so, hallelujah, uh, verse two is going to tell us that while reading the chronicles of his kingdom, the king was reminded how Mordecai had saved his life. Matthew Henry says that Hebrew tradition tells us that when the king called the scribe and say, read to me the records, that the, that the scribe, he would just open the book and read anywhere. And the scribe opened the book and the pages fell right at the place where Mordecai had alerted the king of the assassination plot. Huh? And I don't know about you, but sometimes when you open the book, God will allow the book to fall where he wanted and not where you want. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I open my Bible, that happens. Or when the scripture today comes, you see, we think things are arbitrary. But God is ruling and reigning in the affairs of men. He's sovereign. He's a providential God. And nothing is happenstance or accident. Now, I wouldn't tell you that every time your Bible opened up, that is from God. Huh? That, 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 that is, but, but sometimes God will speak in those situations. Anybody hear me up in here? All right. And so the book of the Chronicles, Matthew Henry said, it just opened. And, and, and the king read about how Mordecai saved his life. So the king asked the question. Huh? Now, he couldn't sleep. He called for the books. The books open up. They tell him about what Mordecai did, huh? The same night that Haman had made the gallows. You see, because Haman was working, but God was working too. Anybody hear me up in here? All right. The king asks, what has been done for Mordecai? What act of kindness? He saved my life. What, what did we do in response to what Mordecai had done? And the scribes say, my Lord, nothing has been done. Nothing. God gave me a revelation. Sometimes the good we do will go unnoticed by men. 
Did you catch that? Sometimes the good we do will go unnoticed by men, but they will never, ever be unnoticed by God. All right? Because he notices everything. Listen to me. I don't know who you are, where, you, where you're at, what you're doing. Sometimes you could do a lot of good. And I'm sure it happens in your home, with your marriage, with your kids, on the job, or even in this church. I know a lot of y'all working. And hallelujah, hallelujah, sometimes the deacons tell me, sometimes the ministers tell me, sometimes first lady tell me, but sometimes, guess what? I don't hear about it at all, you know? And here you are, you're doing stuff that nobody else doing. First off, I want to tell you thank you from the bottom of my heart, amen? <laughs> hallelujah. Second off, I want to tell you that though I never say anything, Though first lady never say anything, though the ministers and the deacons never say anything. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, and you can write this down, you can put it in your heart, huh? That God is not unrighteous to ever forget your work and your labor of love which you showed toward his name and that you have ministered to the saints and still do minister. Come on, give God some praise, huh? He'll never forget. He see everything that you're doing. And, 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 and what I want to encourage you, hallelujah, once again, don't do it for men. Don't do it for women. Don't do it for an accolade, a clap, a reward, a, a, a plaque, a, a plastic trophy that's going to, the back going to break after two days. Don't do it for none of that. Huh? Do it for God. Because if you do it for men, you have your reward. But if you do it for God, God going to bless you in the nick of time, in the right time, in the due season. Amen. So Mordecai did good. People forgot about it. But when Mordecai needed that favor to be answered, God was right there. Waking up the king, opening up the books huh, and putting the book right in the place where Mordecai had done the work. Verse four tells us at the same time as the king was contemplating what Mordecai had done. In asking about blessing Mordecai, Haman walks in. Haman comes into the king. Now remember what Haman is coming to the king for, y'all? He's coming to the king because he just made the gallows 75 feet high. He burnt up about Mordecai. He's coming to ask the king, king, can I take the life for Mordecai? I know I already have the decree to kill all the Hebrews, but I can't wait that long. I got to do him in tonight. So Haman goes to the king with the intent of hanging Mordecai. Simultaneously, God had woke the king up, read about the good of Mordecai, and wants to bless Mordecai. You understand what I'm saying? That's an amazing God. That's a living God. Somebody say, we serve, we serve. a living God. Come on, give God some praise up in here. Hallelujah. And while we read about this, don't you ever think that this is not still going on in real life? In real life, God is doing it. He's doing it for you on the job, at the church, in your marriage. Hallelujah. Because while they're designing your harm, God is planning your good. I'm telling you the truth. No weapon form against you going to prosper. You see what I'm saying? Hallelujah. So they, they let Haman in. And so the king is, is pondering and pontificating what to do with Mordecai. And so as soon as Haman come in, hallelujah, and, and uh, before he could say anything, huh? Uh, they say, hey, uh, king, king, the king has a hypothetical question for Haman. 
hypothetically speaking. He doesn't tell them who it is. He just speaks in, 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 in abstracts. And he says, uh, let's say someone blesses the king, Haman, and the king wants to bless them back. What should be done to a person to honor them? Huh? Just hypothetically speaking. Now, Haman is so proud. He won't. Now, y'all thinking about the play. I can feel it. Now, y'all know I got, I got corporate discernment. You know? so, so, so Haman is so proud. He won't. Uh, his pride won't let him think that the king could be talking about blessing anyone besides himself. You ever been so proud like that? And it, and it happens. We sitting in the award banquet and they begin to talk about, oh, we, this person is so special. They, they did so good. And you begin to warm up your seat. You get your legs warmed up. You massage your cast. Oh, they got to be talking about me. That's, the, that's, that's how pride do. All right. And I'm not judging you because we done all been there. Huh? And when they call somebody else, you say, oh, God, thank you. I didn't stand up. But some of y'all done stood up. You know what I'm saying? Then you want to act like you're going to the bathroom. All right. All right. Well, Haman's pride couldn't let him think of anybody else. It was just a hypothetical question. He says to his own heart, it has to be me. You know, how could the king value anybody but me? You see, and you got to watch out for that pride. Don't let that pride in your heart be so strong that your relationships, huh, and the people you love, huh, you, you, you put yourself first in all of those things, huh? And that's how Haman was, just so full of pride, huh? So, so, so Haman uh, answers the question, Haman, how should I bless that person? So Haman, he thinking about himself, yo. And so he begins to pour out his heart about all the things that he wants. His dreams, his wishes, his wants, his desires. It's almost like he said, the kingdom gave me a blank check, baby, and guess what? I'm going to write it. You understand? But he didn't know that the king wasn't talking about him. Woo! So he begins to write the check, the blank check. He began to tell the king all that he ever wanted, all that he dreamed of. This is his dream. He lay at night thinking about this. You know what I'm saying? So what is it, Pastor? We go to six and seven, and Haman answered the king. Huh? Uh, uh, for the man whom the king delight to honor, let the royal apparel be brought, which the king uh, uh, wears. It, it's a used to wear, but that's an addition of the King James, and that's what's in italics. What he's asking for, you want to wear the king clothes. Not used to wear, you want to wear the king clothes. Because in, in our day, back in the Hebrews, if you were allowed to wear something of a great man, amen, was a great privilege, huh? huh? Uh, uh, um, that's why Saul was like, you want to take my armor to David? They were like, no, I ain't taking your armor. First of all, it's too big for me. You're six foot eight. I, I'm 5'10". You know what I'm saying? I digress. So, 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 so it's all about apparel. And the horse that the king rides upon, he wants the king's clothes. The king's horse, huh? Huh? Let me let me let me let me let me wear your clothes and, and let me use your car for a day, huh? Huh? And and the crown, huh? Royal. He wants the crown of the king. He wants the king's clothes, the king's house, the king's crown to be set upon his head. Y'all understand what I'm saying? My God, I'm getting excited up in here. Listen to me. Hallelujah. I, and what 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 Haman is asking for, he's asking to be king for a day. He want to he wanna know what it's like to be king for a day. 
I want to feel that crown on my head. I want to have the king's clothes on. I want to have a God. I want to be on the king's horse. I want to be king for the day. You see, the funny thing about pride is, is that pride will never stop. See, pride is in the way of Haman and Mordecai's relationship. But eventually, guess what? If, it's un if not checked, pride would be in the way of Haman and the king. Pride never stops until it's absolutely number one. And that's why you could see it in all your relationships and friendships. When you got a person like Haman that's trying to knock down everybody on the side of you, Huh? Beware of that bosses and supervisors. Beware of that ministers and deacons. Beware of that ministry head. Huh? Because they're knocking down everybody to get close to you. Huh? But guess what? Sooner or later, they're going to knock you down too. Anybody hear me up in here? Just a little bit of discernment for you. It's all about the hearts of men. And that pride of Haman was something else. He wanted to be king for a day. But remember, y'all, what did Haman Go to the king's palace to ask the king in the first place to kill Mordecai. Now, he didn't got so excited because of this hypothetical question <laughs> that he done fooled himself with. He done forgot about Mordecai, but he's about to be reminded about him right quick. So let's look at verse 10. Uh, verse 9, he, he said, and verse 9 just says, he wants the king apparel, the king's horse, uh, 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 the king's crown, and let one of the princes uh, do all of that and, and, and proclaim in the streets uh, uh, that whoever the king delights in, this is, this is how they're going to be blessed. Huh? Oh, you hear me, Isaac, huh? You're thinking about the play, Isaac. <laughs> Hallelujah. Look at verse 10. Then the king said to Haman, make haste and take the apparel the horse, as thou hast said, and do even so to Mordecai. Oh, oh my God. Oh, he going there to kill Mordecai. Huh? And, and, oh, take your time, Pastor. Take your time. <laughs> Let me just read. Let me just read. And do even so to Mordecai, the Hebrew, huh? That sitteth at the king's gate. Let nothing fail of all that thou hast spoken. This is amazing, y'all. Listen, let nothing fail of all that thou hast spoken. And saints, God brought me back to Psalm 23. Huh? And he was telling me to remind you, don't ever get too mad at your haters. Don't ever consume yourself with the affairs of your enemies. In fact, don't even worry about them. Huh? Do God and do you. You understand what I'm saying? Because eventually, when they play out their role, God will take care of them. All right? You worry about your role and do your thing that you have to do for God. God going to take care of your haters. Psalm 23.5 says this. Hallelujah. And it just want, God wanted me to remind you of that. Psalm 23.5. Uh, the Bible says about God that he's going to prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Anybody hear me up in here? All right. Well, pastor, break that down. A table. That means a meal. But it's not just a meal. It's a spread. Because a meal could be a, a, a meal from Sonic or a happy meal from McDonald's. And that's not the meal that God's talking about. God's talking about a full course meal. He's talking about an 
appetizers and, and salads. He talked about desserts and, 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 and all that after that, huh? He's going to prepare a table. It's a meal. It's a spread. But it's not just a spread. It's a king's table. Anybody hear me up in here? It's a, it's a royal spread. That's what God want to do to you. He's going to prepare it for you. And, and I have in my notes that God will give you not only everything you need, but everything you want. Not only everything you want, but everything your enemy. Oh, God, have mercy. Wait, wait one second, Pastor. Wait one second, Pastor. Break that down a little bit slower. God will not only give you everything you want, huh? but he's going to turn around. He's going to give you everything your enemies wanted. Everything your enemies wish for and everything your enemies dreamed of is God's way, hallelujah, of giving them what they reap, what they've sown. Huh? Huh? They've hated you. They've tried to stab you in the back. They've tried to hold you down. They've betrayed you. You understand what I'm saying? They've talked about you. They've lied on you, ruined your reputation. Anybody hear me up in here? And God saying, okay, you won't do that. And the people been good to you. They love you. Hallelujah. God said, you won't do that? I'm going to prepare a table before you. Anybody hear me? In the presence of your enemies. And, and that's what I see with Haman, y'all. Huh? You see, Mordecai never even asked for this. This wasn't even his dream. <laughs> he had the king's gate on his hustle. You understand what I'm saying? And it's funny that the king knew exactly where to find him because everybody knew that Mordecai was on his grind, huh? Y'all know where to find him? He's at the king's gate. He's downtown. He's handling some business. He's buying and selling. He's he hustling. Y'all know where to find him? Huh? Huh? And the Bible tells us that it wasn't even his dream. It was Haman's dream to have the crown and to have the apparel and to have the king's horse. And I want to tell you that sometimes in your life that God's going to bless you with some things that you ain't never even asked for. You never even asked for it, Lynn. It's just going to pop up on you and be like, God, why will I enjoy it? This thing just come upon Mordecai, y'all. It just come upon him. He never asked for that. But when that happens, I want to, I'm going to give you a little discernment about the ways of God. Huh? You might not have asked for it, but your enemies and your haters ask for it. And God want to teach them who he with. So he going to answer their prayers by giving it to you. Oh, God have mercy. So, so that they can know. Who he with. Huh? And it's a way to bring them to repentance. It's a way for them to say, well, I was praying for that car. And I wanted a house like that. And I wanted some shoes like that. And I, I wanted a man like that. And I wanted a woman like that. And I wanted hair like that. And I wanted. God, why you gave it to them? And God going to allow them to be able to examine themselves, repent, turn to God, and go from hating to participating in Hey! Anybody hear me up in here? Yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, Mordecai never asked for any of that. Huh? Sometimes I'm telling you, he's going to give you what they want. And he's going to do it. He prepares a table. Look, he says, before the presence of your enemies, he says, thou anointest my head with oil. God is saying, I'm going to anoint you in front of them. I'm not only going to bless you in front of them, but I'm going to anoint you in front of them, in front of them. Uh, they rejected you, but I'm going to show them that I selected you. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because a lot of y'all been rejected by men. A lot of y'all, they done turned the back on y'all and 
Say that y'all wasn't good enough, huh? And said that, hallelujah, you can't, you can't make the cut, huh? Some of y'all been rejected all your life, huh? Been rejected by daddy on the birth certificate. Anybody hear me up in that? Rejected by mama, huh? Rejected by the high school coach. Couldn't make no team. Anybody here? Rejected by the teachers, huh? You're just not good enough. You need to be in these other class. Rejected on jobs, huh? We got to let you go. You don't make the cut, huh? Rejected everywhere by men, by women, huh? Some of y'all rejected by your own children. They choosing other people besides you. So we live a life of rejection, huh? But sometimes, hallelujah, when you serve God, don't worry about rejection. Because when men reject God, accept and elect. Anybody hear me up in here? You got to know the ways of your God. And you got to be built, not for tough, God tough. Anybody hear me? You got to be built God tough. Not for tough, God tough. And when you build God tough, huh? You take that rejection, huh? And you don't let it get you down. You let it fuse you. You let it, you let, you look at God and you say, God, we gonna show them that they was wrong about me. Hey, God, anybody hear me up in here? You through me gonna show the world that they was wrong about me. Huh? Thou anointest, that's a selection. That's an election. Huh? They did that to kings and prophets and priests. And I want to tell y'all, don't get so caught up on man's selections, no. Because man's selections don't mean nothing. Charles Spurgeon said that's just empty hands, em empty heads with empty hands laying hands on men. Men's selection means absolutely nothing. God done selected many men and many women that the world ain't thought was nothing. They didn't even invite David to the party. Anybody hear me up in here? Amos wasn't good enough to be around the other prophet. He said, I'm not a prophet, nor the son of a prophet. Wind up being in our Bible, one of the greatest prophets of our history. Moses wouldn't accept it about. They say, who had made you a ruler and a judge over us? But God had made him a ruler and a judge over the people of God. You got to understand that when man rejects, sometimes God will accept. And the greatest one that was rejected. The greatest one that was abused and misused. The greatest one, hallelujah, that we didn't even love, huh? Was Yahshua HaMashiach, the Son of God, the Anointed One Himself. So don't get too down when people turn their back on you. Don't get too down, hallelujah, when they say you ain't good enough. They said he wasn't good enough. Man don't even know what's good enough. Ooh. <laughs> oh yeah, you gotta be built God tough. Forget about what they say. Forget about what they say. Huh? They say some teams Jordan didn't even make, but something in him, huh? Something in you and your faith in your God. Say, God, I don't care, I don't care what they think. With your strength, I'm better than all of them. You understand what I'm saying? Somebody say, God tough. God tough. Yeah, that's how you got to be built. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you got to put that on the shirt. Yeah, that's that. Not full tough, God tough. I'm, I'm about that. You, wanna, you ain't hurting nothing. I'm about that. Yeah, I'm about that. I'm built like that. You understand what I'm saying? I'm built like that. You see what I'm saying? Okay, I done got a little too much into it. Let's keep on going. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup run it over. Man, look at this, man. Look at what Haman going to have to do to Mordecai, man. Hey, God, his cup is about to run over. 
I got a word for you prophetically. While they talk about you, they will be in lack. But you will live in the overflow. <laughs> While they talk about you, they will be in lack. But you will live in the overflow. You will have everything you need. You will have everything that you want that's, that's, that's under the grace of God. And you're going to have enough to lend out to other people. That's, that's the overflow. They'll be to come by you and get a sip because your cup run it over. Anybody hear me up in here? Hallelujah. Come on, Pastor. Keep on moving. We got work to do. And so, but I'm just so excited, Holy Ghost. But all right, all right. But and so 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 Haman tells the king all of his wishes, all of his dreams, all of his desires. And the king said, Good, go get all that, that what you said, and do it to Mordecai. And don't let a single thing fail from what thou hast said. You know? And in verse 11, Haman did what the king commanded. No doubt he was reluctant and filled with regret, but he had to do had the king, had the king, as the king commanded him. Isn't that something? That sometimes God going to make your enemies bless you, even when they don't want to minister. They ain't going to want to do it. They, well, I just got it. I, don't, I had to do it. I couldn't go nowhere else. I, they had to do it re reluctantly and regretfully. Huh? In verse 12, Mordecai, after the ride through the city, and the proclamation, Mordecai goes back to his grind, right back to the city, uh, to the city gates, right back to it. And what we see there is humility, the very opposite of, of Haman. It doesn't change him. He just had the crown on his head, the king's clothes on his body. He was riding the king's horse. If that was today, he was rolling in the king's Bentley, huh, 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 rolling in the king's Ferrari, rolling in the king's Lambo, rolling in the king's, I forgot, I don't have no more other cars to talk about, but, but rolling in the king's Rolls Royce. You understand what I'm saying? He, he, he get out, give him all that stuff back and go right back to his ground. Humble. It didn't change him. It didn't change him. You see? It didn't change him. As God bless you, don't let it change you. Don't let it change you. And don't let it change your grind. Don't let it change your hustle. He went right back to it. Huh? But what happened to Haman? What happened to him after the, the event? Haman went home crying with his head covered. My God, my God, my God. Can y'all hear Haman crying? Haman crying with his head covered. What's up with that, Pastor? Shame. Shame. Yeah, yeah. The humble are exalted. But you know what Proverbs 11, 2 tell us about pride? Huh? It said when pride cometh, then cometh what? Shame. That's what the Bible says. And that's what, that's what Haman, hallelujah, experienced. And, and the, the secret about that text in Proverbs 11, 2 is this. You only experience shame when you are proud. Are you hearing me up in here? When pride cometh, then cometh shame. People that's not proud, they, not, they don't experience shame. You know what I'm saying? And so, so Haman was too proud. He had lifted up himself too much. Above God, above God's people. And that's why when God did that to Mordecai, it caused him shame. Listen, learn to be humble. Learn to laugh at yourself. Learn to know that you're not perfect, all right? 
You only shame when you walk in and you trip and you fall in front of people. If 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 if, if you only shame when when you have this air about yourself, like you don't make no mistakes. You see, but learn when you trip in front of people, learn to look around and laugh with them. <laughs> Y'all saw that? <laughs> Mom comes in today. You understand what I'm saying? Learn to laugh. You know what that is? That's humility, man. You see, and I'm using this example of walking as just a basic analogy, a parable of sorts to life. Learn to laugh at yourself. Learn and know that you're not perfect. Know that you make mistakes. And so when things happen that don't bounce your way, you ain't going to experience shame because you was never proud about it. Anybody hear me up in here? And so when God picked somebody else, you never lifted up yourself thinking that you was the only one that could have got blessed. You know, it's a humility. Huh? And, and, and that's, what, that's what Mordecai had and that's what Haman did not have. Huh? And so he had lifted up himself too much. He thought that he could do anything he wanted, even harm God's people. Huh? And that's how people are that think they can do anything to us Hebrews in the modern day. They're too proud. They think they can beat us in the streets and shoot us in the streets. Oh, you know, I'm going to talk about it. They think that they can discriminate and redistrict without us knowing. We're not in the meetings. They drawing this and drawing that, getting everybody in where they want. They think they can redline our neighborhoods so that we won't, can't get loans for houses. When we go to get appraisals, Minister Duck, you know about it, that, that, that our white counterparts get higher appraisals on their house than us when they see black pictures in our house. Huh, Pastor, why are you talking about all that? Listen, because some people think they can do us wrong and that God not seeing that. You're too proud. When proud comes, then come what? Shame. You see? And shame is coming. Shame is coming. Shame is coming. I'm telling you, shame is coming. It's coming to America. It's coming. I'm telling you, it's coming, man. So listen, I'm telling We're going to get into it in a second, huh? Proverbs 16, 18. Pride, God before destruction. And a haughty spirit before fall. And you see, Haman was so proud, huh? He was shamed. But, in, uh, but the shame is to get you to repent and change. You're proud, he's going to make you shame. You don't change, then the destruction comes. All right? So let's read in verse 13 of chapter 6. Y'all still up out there? And Haman told Zeresh, his wife. Anybody know Zeresh? Zeresh, his wife, hallelujah. Haman told Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends, everything that had befallen him. Huh? How he was going to the king, and the king made him put the crown on Mordecai. Then said his wise men, and Zeresh, his wife, unto him, if Mordecai be the seed of the Hebrews, if he be the seed of the Hebrews, now they all Edomites, they all Esau, they, they, they all Amalekites, huh? If he be the seed of the Hebrews, the covenant people of God, before whom thou hast begun to fall. If he be the seed of the Hebrews and you have begun to fall, huh? Then two things going to happen. Number one, thou shalt not prevail against him. You're not going to win this battle, Haman. His wife telling him that. Yeah, the spirit of prophecy done fell upon her. And boy, it's something else when your spouse begin to tell you stuff you don't want to hear, huh? And, when, and then it's something else when you know they're telling you the truth. Huh? She said, she said this, hallelujah, thou shalt not prevail against him. And what else? But thou shalt surely fall. You're not going to win and you're not going up no more. You're about to go down, Haman. Ooh, God have mercy. How he slept at home that night. I don't know. 
My God, my God, my God. You see? And so, hallelujah. And the Bible tells us at that moment, at that moment when she told him off, when she prophesied unto him, that's when the servants of the king passed by in the king's chariot to pick Haman up to accompany the king to go to Esther's house. That was point number seven, the fall. Point number eight. Y'all still up? All right. Let's talk about Haman at the banquet. Oh, we're getting into it, y'all. Huh? Our first two points is where it's going to be heavy at. The third point is going to be conclusionary. I'm not going to keep you here till 930 tonight. We're going to be out of here. All right. Hallelujah. They say it's okay. Pastor, it's pure, Pastor. It's okay. Hallelujah. Point number eight, Haman at the banquet. And uh, in, in, in point in chapter seven, the king and Haman traveled to the banquet, Esther's place. Uh, the king is having a great day, y'all, a great day. He done blessed Mordecai, huh, Deacon Malvo. He, he, he had the queen house. She looking good again. He just having a great day. Man. He got a smile on his face from here to here, you see? And guess what else? His approval rating is up. Why? Huh? He just marched Mordecai through the city saying this is what the king going to do to all those that he delighted. It just made his stock go up. The king is strong right now. He's feeling good about himself. So that's the king. What about Haman? Well, Haman not doing that good, y'all. <laughs> huh? His day didn't go that well. In fact, Haman is thinking about two things. He's thinking about Mordecai riding through the city with the crown on his head. Huh? And he's thinking about what his wife and his wise men just told him. He's thinking about it so much, I bet he's distracted. Cain focus on the king. Cain focus on Esther. And at that point, the king tells Esther. He said, Esther, for the third time, what is your petition? What do you want? You came in the first time and you asked me when I put out the golden scepter, you said, come to the banquet. I came to the first banquet, huh? Y'all had a good time, had a spread for us. Everything was good. I asked you the second time, what you want? You told me, come the next day. We're going to banquet again. Well, I'm here. It's my third time asking you, Esther, what is it that you want? All right? The Bible tells us in verse 3 and 4 of chapter 7. Then Esther the queen answered and said, if I have found favor in thy sight. The king said, oh yeah, baby, you got favor. <laughs> if I found favor in thy sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. Oh my God, this is a beautiful thing right here. So here he is, he telling her, ask for up to half my kingdom. The only thing Esther asks for is her life and the life of her people. Come on, give God some glory for that, huh? Huh? How many people know when you don't abuse your rights, sometimes you get more than what you ask for? Huh? It's kind of like Solomon when God say, ask for anything. And Solomon say, God, just give me wisdom so that I can rule your people good for you. And God say, because you didn't ask for riches, all, the, all the, the, the kingdoms and the necks of your enemy, huh? I'm not only going to give you wisdom, but I'm going to give you riches and I'm going to make your enemies be at peace with you. I'm going to give you everything, huh? Because you asked with a right heart. You didn't ask with a greedy heart. You didn't try to take everything from me, huh? And this is what Esther does. This is wisdom. I don't know who this is for. But sometimes in life, people are going to give you carte blanche. And they're going to say, take everything, anything that you want. Don't be greedy. Don't be greedy. Don't be greedy. 
One of my wife's favorite scriptures, when you eat with the king, put a knife to your throat. Huh? Don't be greedy. Because sometimes when you're greedy, they're going to look at you and say, oh, you're taking all of that? Huh? But sometimes when you just take a little bit, they're going to say, that's all you want. No, have more. Amen. Come on, give y'all some praise. huh? It wasn't even in my notes, but we're going to rock it like that. Hallelujah. So the king said, what? Your life and your people. The king said, baby, they don't know how much I like you. My first lady, they don't know how much. So the king said, the king said, who? That's what he said. Who? Who had presumed to do this thing? To take the life of my queen and her people. You see, fact of the matter is, is that the king was used as a pawn by Haman. Sometimes people in authority do things and get blamed for things they do when it's really not them. You understand what I'm saying? It's, sometimes it's lesser men and women around them, prodding them, provoking them, using them, giving them bad counsel. And they make a decision, you know what I'm saying? And if you've ever been an authority, you know that sometimes you rely upon your subordinates to make decisions because you're not there on the daily grind. You're not there watching everything. And so that's why you got to pick good people to be on the side of you. You know, because sometimes you can hurt other people that you really love inadvertently making decisions, huh? Because somebody on the side of you wasn't a good person. Somebody on the side of you was hateful. Somebody on the side of you was a Haman. And listen, in, even in this church, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you pa you pastor making a lot of decisions. Um, and you passed in Atlanta, you passed in, in Lafayette, we're doing some things in Dallas. I'm not going to know everything on the day-to-day. -day. You understand what I'm saying? And I have to rely on other people. And I got to rely upon them to first tell me the information about you. They got to tell me what's going on. Sometimes I don't even know. You understand what I'm saying? And then sometimes, hallelujah, some, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about anybody. None of our ministers are deacons. They not no Hamans. Amen. Anybody hear me? But sometimes, hallelujah, your leaders can make bad decisions because of bad information. I want to tell you, if I've ever done that, don't charge it to my heart. Charge it to my head. You know, charge it to my mind. You see, that's the situation that the king was placed in. You know, he's not the bad guy here. We know that he loves Queen Esther. We know that uh, with his eyes wide open, he would never do something like this. Huh? And so when the king said, who, Esther is wise enough not to say, it's you, king. Because she knows that that's not in his heart. She goes straight to the source from where it come from. And she looks at verse, hallelujah, uh, uh, I don't got excited, forgot where I'm at, y'all. Hallelujah. In verse 6, and Esther says, the adversary, an enemy, who done put all this together. It's not you, king. You just was innocent. You was a pawn in all of this. They use you. The adversary, an enemy, is this wicked Haman. And listen, y'all, Haman is there while she's saying that. <laughs> He's sitting at the table with the king. Y'all seen they at the table together. You know, it might not be a little table like this, but y'all know what I'm saying? And Esther is bold enough. When, when, when the king said, who done did this? She's wise enough not to blame the king. 
but she's bold enough to, to look across the table and look Haman straight in his eye and say, is this wicked, this adversary, this enemy? Ooh, I got all kind of stuff I want to say, but I don't want to say it. She said, is this Haman that done did this? You know, oh, I know it's sad, y'all. It's really sad. It's about, to, it's about to get sad. You see? Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. I want to tell y'all right here that God gave me something. All right? Uh, I have in my notes. I have right here Haman realized that he overplayed his hand. Now, I know none of y'all still play cards. But back in the day, you might have had, you know, a, a little activity of playing a little cards. <laughs> Y'all might have played that pity pad and that, that draw poker. Any spades players, formerly or currently. No, don't say currently, but you see what I'm saying? But as long as you're not playing for money. But, but listen, listen, Haman overplayed his hand. What he thought he had in his hand wasn't that good. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, 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 and, and, and if he was playing poker, and nothing is wild, no jokers, no, no deuces, no, no jacks, he, he had a bunch of jacks in his hand. He had, he had jacks in his hand. And he was playing against Mordecai. Mordecai is sitting across the table, but, but he got a jack in his hand, and Mordecai has a queen in his hand. <laughs> hey, he got a jack and Mordecai got a queen. Oh, now, nah, I, I, nah, our court, court players have been found out. Everybody else that's quiet never, never played court, never fought them dogs before. But I heard my law first lady first. I heard him first. Like, oh, baby. Oh. So he had a queen. Now watch this, Quip. Kip, because he had the queen, guess what else he had in his hand? He had the king. Hey, God have mercy. That boy playing around. I'm telling y'all, boy. That boy playing. Because he had the queen, he had the king. Huh? And because he was a Hebrew, the covenant people of God, he had the biggest card in the deck. Anybody hear me up in here? He had an ace, the alpha, and omega, the beginning, and the end. Anybody hear me up in here? He had a he had himself a flush from the AR. I don't know what you call that royal flush, a straight flush. He don't had a flush. My Lord, what they call that? <laughs> royal flush, huh? Yeah, he, he had it. So he had the king, he had the queen, he had the ace. And, and, and Mordecai, I mean, uh, uh, Haman sitting down there with a jack. Pastor, what you saying? He overplayed his hand. You see? Look, John laughing. Look, John laughing. Listen, listen. If he would have just went off after Mordecai, he would have been all right. You see, if he would have just went. So when that day, going back, if we could put it in reverse, rewind it, rewind the tape. That day Mordecai didn't bow, TP. If he would have had his, his, his situation out with Mordecai on that day. Man, you ain't bowing, the king commanded to bow. We're going to put you in jail. We're going to whip you. You know what I'm saying? We're going we gonna to do some things to you. Lo and behold, the most you want to do, if you want to get real bad, hurt him. You know, but but Haman overplayed his hand. He said, I'm not only going to hurt Mordecai, I'm going to kill Mordecai and I'm going to kill all his people. 
Baby, you don't know who the people is. You don't know, you don't know, you don't know which people you playing with. This be God's people. These are the, these are the covenant people of God. This is the seed of the Hebrews. He overplayed his hand. You see what I'm saying? Don't come to the table with no jack. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And I have in my spirit is. It's just what the enemy did to God. You see? Yeah, that old Satan, man. Just like, just like Haman, he, he overplayed his hand. You say, Pastor, what you mean? Well, he had already beaten all humanity. He caused us to sin. The wages of our sin is dead. Not yet, musicians. I'm just, this just, is just, just a revelation. Y'all don't have to come yet. I'm going to call y'all. But, but, but. But the, but the wages of sin is, is dead. So he had us separated from God. All of humanity from the garden with original and practical and positional sin running through our bloodlines. Every single one of us born in sin, shaped in iniquity, separated from God, abandoned, alienated. Every single one of us. And he had one. He had one. But when the Son of God came to earth 2,000 years ago, he wasn't satisfied with just dealing with man. He wanted more than just man. He said, no, nah, I'm just not going to kill men. I'm going to kill the Son of God, the darling of heaven. Right then and there, Satan overplayed his hand. Hey, God, somebody hear me up in here. You had already won. You know what I'm saying? But when he overplayed his hand, by killing the darling of heaven, by killing the desire of nations, by slaughtering the lamb of God that should take away the sins of the whole world. Listen, he overplayed his hand so much, hallelujah, he not only killed the son, which the son after he died on the third day he rose, and when he rose he kept rising, he rose from the grave, he rose from the earth, he rose up in heaven, he rose till he was seated on the right hand of majesty above all principality, power, rulers, and dominion. But when he killed the son, he not only exalted the son, he, he blew, he blew his, 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 his wind that he had over man. Because when he killed the son, the son became a sacrifice for all of our sins. Oh, Miss Rebecca, you're feeling me up in here. He became a sacrifice for all of our sins. And, and what he did out of his pride, out of his desire, to not have enough. You, you don't want man. No, we're going to kill the son too. You put the son on the cross. huh? You spill his blood. But that same blood became the redemption of mankind. So you not only lost with the son, but you lost what you originally won. You lost mankind too. Anybody hear me up in here? The devil overplayed his hand. For had the princes of this world known, they would have never crucified the son of the living God. Come on, give God some glory up in this place. And so, man, when, when Esther pointed to the king and she said, this is the enemy, the wicked one, Haman. Huh? Man, the king, he caught a revelation. Them signed that decree for the people and he realized who people she was for and man the king just got up and walked out he was burnt up 
It's a few things you don't mess with that a man have. Huh? You don't mess with a man money. You don't mess with a man food. And you don't mess with a man woman. Hey, anybody hear me? Anybody hear me up here? A few things you don't mess. Y'all got anything else you shouldn't mess with about a man? But, and not the ones that come to my mind, Brother Carl. Huh? Huh? Don't mess with his God. You know, it's just a couple other things. His children. Yeah, all right, Grace. I hear you, Grace. Grace like, Daddy, represent Daddy. We up in here. Oh, I got you. Yeah, there's a few things you don't mess with, huh? Haman broke the law right here, man. Huh? So the king got to get up and walk in the garden. That's how bad uh, uh, Esther House was. She had a palace garden. Huh? He had to get up and walk through the garden to kind of cool off. Haman tries to beg for his life, y'all. He starts off standing up, but he ends up on his knees by the queen. And it was by where the queen was kind of laying down. When they would eat, they would lay down. They would recline. They didn't eat like we used to eat, you know. And this carried on down to the Lord's Supper and everything. They reclined when they ate, huh? All right? And so the king returns from cooling off in the garden. Boy, you're too close to my woman, boy. Oh. So, so the king said out loud, he said, you done tried to kill the queen. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. You know, even the cause outside mad at him. Lord did. So he tried to kill the queen. But not only that, now he's trying, the king says, to force himself Kill my woman. And now he trying to force himself on my woman with me in the house. Man, the king bars didn't even wait a second. Because the king, the king didn't buck. You understand what I'm saying? And the king bars are not bars that need a pep talk. Say anything about get him, arrest him. Was, was, what heavy tell me all the time, was understood and don't need to be said. Anybody hear me up in here? He said, he, all he said. Heyman, he. You understand what I'm saying? Put that bag on in here in time. Now, who keep a bag like that with them? <laughs> the balls is trouble. You understand what I'm saying? The balls is trouble. So they put the bag on Haman's head. And commentators say this is the last time Haman going to see the light of day. This is the last time his eyes going to see in the land of the living. Them boys don't play. Huh? Ooh. What them jump out boys at, Isaac? Yeah! Hallelujah, watch God. So, so they like, they, they talking. So one of the jump out boys say, uh, they say, man, they say, king, they say, you know, Haman made some gallows in his yard. Uh, big old structure, 75 feet high, which he was going to hang Mordecai on. The same Mordecai that always speak well of you, save your life, 
look out for you, on your side. This is the one that Haman was trying to kill. Huh? And the king said three words. Huh? Last words that Haman would hear from the king. This is the last thing he saw. Last thing he would hear. Hang him thereon. The same gallows he made for Haman would be the gallows that would hang him and take his life. In Psalm 7:15, the Bible tells us this, man. Hallelujah. He made a pit and digged it, and is fallen into the ditch which he made. Verse 16. Huh? His mischief shall return upon his own head, and his violent dealing shall come upon his own pate. And what God is telling us is, is that your haters and your enemies, what they try to do to hurt you, gonna end up hurting them. And that's what God does. He blesses those that bless you and he curses those that curse you. Down in the pit that they made, in the net which they hid, is their own foot taken. Verse 16 continues, the Lord is known by the judgment which he executed. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hand. Hegion Selah. God's saying stop and meditate on that. What they try to work on to hurt you is going to end up hurting them. Their dreams and all their desires and wants, God going to bless you with if you keep serving God. And their nightmares and everything that they wish wouldn't happen to them is going to fall and be upon them. Huh? And every, every bad thing they desire on you is going to end up on them. Come on, give y'all some praise for his justice. I have in my notes what you do to hurt other people will eventually come back to hurt you. I have in my notes, leave people alone. All right? Leave people alone. We've been on this, 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 this thing here in church and as a people, and I've been loving it, and I've been feeling it and hearing it over and over again. We've been on, on, a, on a mind your own business type of tip. I've been feeling it. And we've really adopted it, and we're walking in it, and the atmosphere at church is different. Your pastor can feel it. I can discern it. Huh? Uh, uh, when we come to church, our worship is better. Our fellowship is better. When we're walking around the halls, I feel people less concerned with the issues of others around them. Anybody hear me up in here? Huh? It's so good. Hallelujah. First lady started a mind your business ministry. You understand what I'm saying? And it's just a joke. But, 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 but truthfully told, we're looking for ministry here. It's for the mind your business ministry. Huh? Huh? But, but I want to add something to this. I want you to continue to walk in and minding your business, all right? But I want you to add something to that. I want you to add something to that. Yeah, get your mind your business shirt, but, but, but get you one that say this, do no harm. Because we need to practice not only minding our business, but as our people grow and be blessed, we need to walk in, do no harm. 
don't hurt anybody else. All right? We're not trying to hurt nobody. Like, like, you understand what I'm saying? If I can't help you, I won't hurt you. You understand? That's not my heart. When I see you, huh, I want to bless you. When you see somebody, you should want to better them. Huh? After they leave your presence, they should be better. They should be wiser, have more knowledge. They should be richer, wealthier. They should have more business ideas. They should have more vision. When they leave your presence, something about their lives should change for the better. Huh? But if you can't help them, if you can't better them, if you can't edify them, at least leave them alone. Leave them the way you found them. Anybody hear me up in here? That's, that's my goal. If I can't help you, then at least let me leave you the way I found you. Huh? What does that mean? Do no harm. I'm not trying to take nothing away from you. Nothing away from you. And we got to walk like that. We got to live like that. Do no harm. Huh? Not with our hands, not with our mind, not with our mouths. Do no harm. You know what I'm saying? That's what we should live by. And, and this was a saying back in, in the Greek days. It was such a big saying that uh, the doctors, when they take the Hippocratic Oath, that's part of the oath right there. That, that they dare to help people, huh? Medically, huh? But, but of all their gifts and talents with the human body and, and biology and physiology, they, they pledge to do no harm to mankind. If I can't help you, I'm not going to hurt you. Come on, give y'all some praise. Amen. Hallelujah, man. Do no harm, man. Huh? Hallelujah. I think, I think Tab said that if you can't have a good day, don't you dare go ahead and mess up anybody else's, huh? Come on, give God some glory for that. Thank you, first lady. Huh? So what do we say? Three words? Do no harm. That's it, man. I'm not, I'm not trying to hurt you, baby. You know, that's what we got to live by. Why, Pastor? You see how Haman tried to harm Mordecai? All right. Galatians teaches us, be not deceived. God is not mock. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he reap. All right. All right. Whatever he sows, that particular thing, that will he reap. He going to get the exact thing. He tried to give to others. You see? You see? Last point. The script is flipped. And then we're going to get out of here. Y'all all right? Y'all all right? Y'all still up? Annalise Grace, y'all up? Hallelujah. Migo, you up? Hallelujah. The script is flipped. It's Purim, y'all. All right? All right? All right? So they put the bag on him and head, y'all. And they hang him on the same gallows he tried to hang Mordecai. Quickly, Haman's house is given to Esther. Huh? And Haman was rich, y'all. But the Bible tells us in Proverbs 13 and 22 that the wealth of the wicked. <laughs> huh? Huh? The wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. And the way it said in King James, the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. And we know that we all sinners. But we justify by the blood of Jesus. 
So when you get saved, you qualify as the just. And everybody that's living wicked and is not saved, don't want none of God, trying to do, do harm to people, huh? The wealth of those sinners are laid up for the just. The ones justified by Yahshua HaMashiach under the blood of Jesus Christ, huh? Can I get a shout of all those that's been justified by Jesus? Yeah! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Well, you got some wealth coming your way, huh? Huh? The wealth of all the unrighteous, of all those that don't love God, of all those that continue in their sin. In Job 27, 17, the corroborating scripture talks about the wicked and the oppressors and how they storing up and heaping up silver like dust, money like dust. How they have large wardrobes and prepare clothing and, and build houses. And, and Job in 27, 17 says that, hallelujah, they storing that up, they preparing it. But the just shall put it on. Oh, yeah, they're preparing all their wardrobe, their clothes, their cars, their houses. But the just shall put it on. And they're collecting all kind of money, silver like dust. But the innocent shall divide the silver. Come on, give y'all some praise up in here. Hallelujah, man. Hallelujah. This will be the fortune of our people, y'all. The Hebrews. <clears throat> We've been looked over, walked over, <laughs> and everything, man. But a day is coming, hallelujah, when the last going to be first and the first going to be last. And everything that God, hallelujah, done allowed the wicked to have in this earth is going to return back to those that's been justified by Yahshua. Amen. Of the Hebrews and the Gentiles. You understand what I'm saying? You ain't got to just be a Hebrew. You just got to be justified. And you're going to have wealth that's coming your way. I ain't trying to be, hey, God, uh, racial about it. No, it's for all those that love God. They're going to be blessed by the wealth of the wicked. Now, Isaiah 60, y'all still up? Come on, hold on with me now. Isaiah 60, I'm going to read y'all this. I can't, I can't go until I read y'all this right here. Isaiah 60, I was in my personal study, and I, I may teach this, hey, God, soon. But I'm going to pull out a few little scriptures in it, and then we're going to kind of Prepare for conclusion. 60 and 1 talks about our time when God is going to flip the script for us. He say, arise, shine. Talking about the Hebrews. For thy light is come. Huh? Your time is come. Huh? And the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. This is about the last days. What do you mean by that, Brother James? That darkness going to cover the earth. Huh? Isn't that something? And I believe we close to those days right now. With everything going on with Russia and China and looking like world wars on the brink, all they need to release is one of these electromagnetic bombs. And I'm telling you, darkness will be upon the face of the earth. One of these nuclear bombs, it'll knock out all the electrical grids. And guess what? Darkness will be on the face of the earth. It's the last days and judgment is coming, y'all. It's no time like the present to be, to be at peace with God, to, to, to make amends with Jesus. It's no time like the present. These are days, I'm telling you now, that we've been talking about for a long time. And for historians and political scientists, we look at this and we say, it's never been closer. It's never been closer. And I got ideas about some things that's about to happen. A false flag event to drag America into this war. 
just like they did with the Lithuania and, and Lithuania and the World Wars, just like they did with, with Pearl Harbor. They're going to do things just like they did. Oh, let me stop. They, they, gonna, they do things, hey, God, under false pretenses to drag us in. Now they're putting on the news, if Russia do this, then America going to come in. Baby, don't be saying that loud like that. Because if the people that want us in hear that, man, they just going to make that happen. Come on, Pastor. Come on, Pastor. Come on, Pastor. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But for us, but the Lord shall arise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light. All the world going to fall apart. But it's in that time you going to rise. And the kings to the brightness of thy rising. Look at verse 5. Just a little more time. It's Purim, y'all. Then thou shalt see and flow together. And thine heart shall fear and be enlarged. Because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee. The forces, that word forces in your Bible means the wealth of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. Well, I got to say that again right here. Let's, <laughs> he said the wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. It's going to be a change, a shift in everything that we see right now. When you was last and you was the one that they talked about the most, the, the atmosphere going to shift. When he talks about the seas being converted, the seas are a symbolic picture where God talk about the men. He talked about the nations of the earth are like the seas in the book of Revelation. When he say the seas going to be converted, the hearts of mankind, white, black, Asian, Latino, they're going to come to a realization of who we are and whose we are. Their hearts going to be changed. They're going to say, y'all know the living God. Y'all know God. Y'all really have him. Y'all talk about him. Y'all know this word. Take us to your God. Come on, pastor. You got to. They're going to be converted. On the, and he said, the force of the Gentile, the wealth of the Gentile, the strength, the power of the Gentiles. Look what he said. Shall come unto thee. Look at verse 10. For the sons of strangers shall build up thy walls. Huh? It's work you ain't going to have to do. They're going to do the work for you. And their kings shall minister unto thee. Their kings shall serve you. For in my wrath I smote thee, but in my favor have I had mercy on thee. Come on, somebody give God a shout. I got to keep going so we can get out of here. But you got to read this chapter on your own. This chapter is the bomb.com. I know that's kind of old, but I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's. It's fire. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what else to say, but it's, it's on. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. So, so hallelujah. So, so Mordecai is brought before the king. He's given Haman's ring. Uh, 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 he, he's, he's, he's blessed with a blue and white robe. Uh, it's funny that the colors of, of those other people, uh, the color of their nation is blue and white. Huh? I wonder if that was our original colors to begin with. He's given a blue and a white robe. Huh? And so the state of Haman is given to Esther. His authority is given to the Hebrews. And so that's what's going to happen with the wicked. God going to give us both their estate and their authority. Oh, y'all got to hear me up in here. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, it's a complete flip of the script. Huh? Esther goes to the king again. 
and she, she burst in, and he holds out the golden scepter again. And he's like, Esther, what's going on? I thought everything was good. She said, no, me and Mordecai are good, but what about my people? Yeah. And so the king couldn't change the decree, but he gives the Hebrews the right to fight back. On the day they were supposed to go and, and kill the Hebrews, but he told the Hebrews, he said, I can't undo that. Huh? But I'm going to give y'all uh, the right to fight back. And, and commentators say he not only gave them the right, he gave them the resources. He gave them the government help to fight back. The government was there saying, we're not only going to give y'all the right, but we're going to give y'all the help to fight back. Huh? And tradition holds because of the king's decree that they could fight back. Everybody who was planning to do harm to the Hebrews, guess what? They backed up. They say, when Purim come, we ain't doing nothing. No, because that things done change. You understand? We saw what happened to Haman, and we ain't doing nothing. And so, so, so all the groups of people in, in, in the kingdom of the Persians, huh? they were saying, no, we good. But there was one group, tradition holds, that said, we're going to still try to kill all the Hebrews. It was Haman's ten sons, along with his people, the Amalekites. Huh? That's what tradition holds. That's what Matthew Henry says, says in his commentaries as well. So on this Purim day, the Amalekites getting ready to kill a bunch of Hebrews, but the Hebrews are ready to, to break, off, break, break a bunch of Amalekites off. And um, in chapter 9, the Hebrews went out, dealt with the Amalekites, strengthened by God, helped by the Persian government. Uh, they slew the Amalekites uh, so bad uh, they didn't have enough time in the day, so they asked the king for another day. Uh, the king gave them a, another day, huh? And, uh, and that's what happened on this first Purim. Now let's read chapter 9, 20, and 20, 20 to 23, and we're almost out of here, y'all. Pastor, you said that already. I know. But, but you know, we got, we got to finish this. We got to finish this, y'all. You wouldn't be complaining when we was in the club. You wouldn't, you're mad when they close the club. It's 2 o'clock already. And you won't fuss at me for being here till 9. You was in the club till 2. Ooh, Pastor Smart tonight. <laughs> all right, I just, I just need to help you all out. Okay, so here it is. So we, we know the story, 920. And Mordecai wrote these things and sent letters unto all the Hebrews that were in the provinces of King Ahasuerus, both nigh and far, to establish this among them, that they should keep the 14th day of the month Adar and the 15th day of the same yearly. As the days wherein the Hebrews rested from their enemies and the month which was turned unto them from sorrow to joy, from mourning into a good day, that they should make them days of feasting, joy, sending portions one to another and giving gifts to the poor. This is what Purim is all about. During Purim, we eat together. huh? We send portions to one another. We ain't mad at each other. It's a time of joy, y'all. And if we see somebody that need, we show generosity and we give gifts to the poor. Come on, give y'all some praise up in here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Musicians, if y'all still here, they probably, they still here? Musicians, if y'all still here, y'all can come please help a brother. Come on, come on, deliver me. Now, y'all, just as a Hebrew nugget, today, huh, the other people, that celebrate our holidays, they make Purim a day of sin, yo. They celebrate it with drunkenness, carnival, and riotous living. Our biblical holiday to them is more like Mardi Gras. 
you know. And they have a saying during Purim, and Brent, I hope that you can put this thing up for me quickly. The saying of, of the Ashkenazis is, drink until you don't know the difference between curse Haman and bless Mordecai. I want you to think about this for a second. You see? Because this is what they've done to the earth. They've made the earth so drunk to where the earth don't know the difference between who's Haman and who's Mordecai. You see? You got to pay attention to these elites and the words that they say and the things that they use. They're saying more. Hallelujah, if you just put your mind tight. Because huh? Curse Haman, Haman is in the land right now. Curse Haman is running the banks right now. Curse Haman is running the media right now. Curse Haman is running the world right now. You see? And we can feel it because when the wicked are in authority, the people mourn. People are in pain. They hurt. You don't know which way to turn and which way to go. But when the righteous are in authority, when God's people are in authority, the people rejoice. Right now, we in a day, y'all, where Curse Haman is running things. But that day is changing. The script is about to flip. Huh? And bless Mordecai is rising back up again. Bless Mordecai and Esther is reigning once more again. Come on, stand with me in honor of our holiday Purim. Stand with me if you know we serve a sovereign God, a providential God, a God who's going to look out for us, a God who's going to watch for us. Though our enemies come in like a flood, our God will lift up a standard against them. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. You are the seed of Israel. You are the Hebrews of the Bible. And God's going to take care of you. God's going to take care of you. We are living in a day where he's reminding us of our holidays. Because those holidays are going to remind us of his strength, of his deliverance, and what he's about to do in this earth. The Bible ends this book saying that Esther is blessed. King Ahasuerus is blessed. They both become great. And Mordecai is blessed. He becomes great. And two things that Mordecai does, y'all. Huh? He seeks the wealth and the welfare of his people. And he speaks peace to his seed. As God raises us up and blesses us, help us never forget where we came from. Bless your people. Do no harm. Better your people. Lift them up. Raise them up. Huh? And speak peace to your seed. Make sure we have peace with one another. And we in one accord. Huh? Let's, hear, let's have a word of prayer on this first Purim that we celebrate. Most high God, we thank you so much for the story of Esther and all that it means to us. This is our history. 
We haven't celebrated in a long time, God, but we celebrated tonight. Because we know the same God who was in the book of Esther is the same God right now that we serve. And we pray, O King. If you did it back then, do it again for us today, God. Because we have enemies today, God. We have haters today, God. We got people trying to tear us down today, God. Hey, treat them like Haman and do us like you did Mordecai, Daddy. Woo! Let them fall in the pit that they've dug. Let them be ensnared by the works of their own hands and lift us up, put a crown on our head and wrap us in the king's robe. And we promise that we won't be proud, God. We won't be lifted up with the big head, God. We not gonna forget where we came from and we sure won't forget our people. We will give you all the glory, Daddy. And we are gonna try to help those we can help. We promise tonight to do no harm to one another, God. Not only to mind our business, but to do no harm to one another, God. We pray that you would bless us with that. Make us some Esther's and some Mordecai's. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Every night we come to Bible study, we pray one at a time in the car. And our kids, man, being a part of the play, yeah, one of our kids is acting in the play, and, and another one is doing some setup, and they working in it too. It's such a blessing. And, and one of them prayed in the car. We all take our turns just praying before we get to Bible study, praying for the service, the worship, and praying for y'all. And, and so we praying on the way here, and one of them says, they say, God, thank you for the story of Esther. Thank you for what you did <laughs> in the times of Esther. Huh? Huh? And that's what we got to do. That's what we got to do. Listen, we're going to pray. I want you to repeat after me. I told you the gospel. And so pray with me. Say, God, thank you for loving us. We admit that we are sinners. But we thank you that you came to save sinners. We give you praise that the devil overplayed his hand. <laughs> he did too much. <laughs> and we thank you that the Son of God died on that cross. He was buried in that grave. But he also rose on the third day. And we believe that his blood pays for all of our sins. Lord, save us, forgive us, and use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise. Come on, give him a shout. Love y'all. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Bye.